You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz. As always, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We are talking K-State hoops here today. It was uh, it was a an edge-of-your-seat kind of week last week, and unfortunately the opponents were Oral Roberts and North Alabama. So that's, uh, that's not exactly ideal. We're going to break down everything going on with K-State basketball right now as they head into a, a huge game with Villanova coming up on Tuesday at Bramlage Coliseum. Another team that is, I mean, they have they have lost some bad games, but a, a wild resume with some great wins, some bad losses for Nova, so hard to know exactly what to expect heading into that one. As always, our show is brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. If you're going to be watching the game at home on the couch, or if you are going to go hang out beforehand before the game, make sure you get some 360 vodka, some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon from our friends at Holiday Distillery. Uh, and make sure you have it for the bowl game too, December 28th, not that far away. How about a great holiday present? Surprise somebody with some Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon. A great little stocking stuffer for the holiday season. Uh, They're great K-State folks who support our pod, so please get out and support them. And the other thing I will mention beforehand here is I know right now when we start talking about basketball, and this has started to get out more uh, in terms of like actually on other sites, uh, the, the talk about Naquan Tomlin and what is going on with him and his situation. We still have not seen him play yet this year for K-State. If you want insight on that what is happening with that and some big time concerns that uh, that cole and i have you can go to our patreon page it is patreon.com slash three mom to hear uh i don't know what probably like 20 minutes or so of us talking about that we did a bowl reaction slash everything going on with naquan tomlin and a reaction to that on the patreon page so make sure you go to patreon.com slash three mom it's only five bucks a month you get multiple extra episodes per week lots of bonus content you get access to the discord server where Cole has been dropping all sorts of inside information uh, and doing a great job with that. Plus, you just get to hang out and talk with us. So patreon.com slash 3 for all of that. As far as what's going on on the court, uh, wild week last week, boys. K-State somehow beats North Alabama in overtime 75-74. to 74. I don't, They had no business winning that game. They had no business getting to overtime in that game. I'm, I'm still not entirely sure how that happened. Uh, Oral Roberts, 88-78, to 78, at least that game. In overtime, you can you can pitch me that like Oral Roberts should compete for their conference championship and, and potentially be a tournament team. North Alabama minus their best player, not so much. It's like I, I don't know what's where's your concern level right now with with this team, DUI. It seesaws a little bit, I'll be honest, because I, after the Oral Roberts one, I was like, well, that's a really another good late game experience, and you're still playing a pretty gritty team that could do some damage in their own league, maybe the NCAA tournament, who knows. I'm, I'm, and I'm watching other teams that have had really good seasons, really good wins, also lose to similar teams. Um, Mississippi State was cooking there for a while, and they just lost maybe their, one of their worst losses in program history. They lost to number 309 in the Kimpom Southern um, by one point on Sunday. So that, that's pretty wild considering what they had done before that under Chris Jans. So it waffles back and forth because I don't know what to think of this team. And probably because I think their performance is waffled back and forth too, because let's 
we still have to remember some of their best basketball has been pretty good. I still like that Providence win. They showed some fight against Miami, even though uh, you got down by a lot of points there at one point. So I just, I think I struggle to kind of get a barometer of this team because um, their level of their performances have wavered so much between, man, that's pretty good. And man, that's not very good. And then I also have to realize how shorthand they have been, you know, without both Naquan Tomlin and Quez Glover. Quez Glover's still going to miss a few more weeks, you know, as on Tomlin. So I, it, it's hard to put a finger on it. What I will say is um, I think they have good basketball in them. I just don't think they're playing it for long enough stretches. And in terms of an on-court issue or concern that I would have, it's more about the guard play, um, not being able to stay in front of the other team's guards, even Oral Roberts in North Alabama, but also not being able to attack their guards and, you know, penetrate and beat them off the dribble yourselves uh, for the most part. That that kind of concerns me. Obviously, maybe that changes a little bit when you get the return of Quest Glover. And obviously, that's going to change a little bit too just when Day-Day Ames gets more seasoning as well because he can do that and he does do that. But when he does do that, he's still making the critical errors and the critical mistakes that freshmen do. And when he's on the other end of the floor, he's still making the critical mistakes and the critical errors that freshmen do. So the growth of Dada Ames is a pretty vital component to this year's team just because he can provide them something with probably something they don't necessarily have in bunches right now. Yeah, I was at the game on Saturday, and um, it was definitely a surprise. I, I thought after the Oral Roberts game, and keep in mind Oral Roberts is a, a solid uh, low-to-mid-major team. I mean, look, they won 30 games uh, just last year. Now we know they lost some guys, but McBride was a guy that actually enrolled at KU and, uh, is a really good guard. Uh, they have some talent. They're picked to win it. They're picked to finish second in the summit league, but to me, they actually look better than South Dakota state. I think you probably, yeah. And South Dakota state's picked to win the league. Uh, so, uh, they're a solid team. I just thought, you know, it would be a wake up call. And here's the other thing. North Alabama was missing its leading scorer and Johnson who averages 15 points per game, senior guard. And so, you know, Jakari Lane's first team All-Atlantic Sun preseason pick, sophomore point guard. He gave K-State fits. He had 19 points, 11 assists in the game. Uh, he accounted for 11 of North Alabama's 13 assists. But they're, you know, the, that game can't go to overtime. Like, you, you need to you need to control that game. You're 17.5-point favorites. And at one point, they were down 13 points in the second half early on. And then every time K-State made a push and you thought they were going to get over the hump, they either tied it or got ahead by a couple. Like North Alabama went on like a 7-8-0 run and uh, push the lead back out. It just took a, you know, kind of a, you had to get some breaks to get it to overtime. They missed the front end of a one and one with 17 seconds left to go up. You know, they could go up by five, but they missed the front end. So they're only up three and Tyler Perry. We've talked about it before, the numbers of how good he is in the last like five, six seconds of games, the clutch factor in his career. I think he had five shots last season alone uh, in the last five seconds of games that were either tied the game or took the lead. And with about seven, eight seconds left in this one, he buries a three in case it's able to get it to overtime and then they, they hang on. But uh, yeah, it's a, that was a tough week. You, you don't expect both those types of games to go to overtime. And I just found myself wondering if they, they have enough explosiveness, athleticism at guard to be able to, they, they struggle so far to beat guys off the bounce and to stay in front of other teams guards from what I've seen. Yeah, no, it is. And that's why they really got to get D-Day along. Maybe he's playing a lot better basketball in February. They'll be better for it if he is. 
I think he's a vital component. Getting Quest Glover back, that that'll be a vital component to have him remain healthy. Um, that, that'll be that'll be huge. It sounds stupid to say, and people can come at me all they want. Um, and this isn't to excuse the performance of having to go to overtime in North Alabama. It's not. But it is huge that they were able to avoid that loss because that's the kind of loss that is catastrophic for a team that might be on the bubble. It does it does so hurt them, DY, the way they played this week and like the advanced metrics, because like you need to you blow teams like that out, you shoot up. Like when they beat Central Arkansas 156, they moved up like eight eight spots in Ken Palm. Yeah, right? it, it does, but no, you, you don't want to win close, trust me. But yeah. losing is worse because no. also you do like a quad three or a quad four loss. And when at least the last few years, when they're doing the bubble stuff, the quad three, quad four stuff has been pretty impactful. It's absolutely, I mean, the bottom line, winning is far, far more important than anything. It's just, I, I only call that out because like, you know, you look at some teams that blow these types of teams out, they they shoot up in the metrics. That's okay. The net rankings came out on Monday morning here and, you know, K-State's 100th than the net. They dropped like 12 spots in Ken Palm after the North Alabama game. Just because, the, yeah. yeah. So, and the net rankings, it's super early. These things are going to fluctuate so much to the very point we just said, like, you know, blowouts, et cetera. Like, you look at the net rankings right now, guys, and, like, USC is 78. And we know USC's, you know, got to be a good team. Now, they've struggled a little bit since K- they beat K-State. Texas Tech's 87. Um, Villanova's 50th, who K-State's going to play on Tuesday. Oklahoma State's 196. West Virginia's 209. Uh, Texas is 59. So, I mean, there's Miami 63rd. If you actually look at it, Providence – is the best team in the net that K-State has played to date. They're 61st in the net rankings, and that's the big win for K-State. So um, these things will, will fluctuate. BYU is number two. Houston's number one. I was going to say, I don't concern myself over the net because if you win enough Big 12 games to make the tournament, that's going to improve your net and, and stuff like that a lot because yep. the Big 12 is basically just a net booster. So. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess like my view on the season at this point is I, I think they're in a fine spot as far as like what the wins and losses actually are. And I know like the, yeah, the computer numbers aren't looking great. It'd be better if you're blowing these teams out, but you have avoided the dramatically bad loss. The only other opportunity for that on the schedule is a home game with Chicago State the day after New Year's Day. So, you know, I mean, the, hey, I'm not putting anything past this team based on the performances that we've seen so far, but they only have one more of those to avoid. And the two losses are to teams that we think are going to be pretty good in Miami and USC. They were ranked at the time. Like, you know, if you would have told me before the season, they would have two losses at this point to Miami and USC. They would have the Providence win and they would have wins over like, you know, South Dakota State or Roberts, at least like solid, solid teams uh, here in the in the non-con that are teams that could be in NCAA tournament teams that say, hey, they're in a fine spot. The problem is just like how it's been happening and that. There has not been much consistency. There doesn't seem to be much, like, in terms of linear growth, you know, from where they've been at. It's just a little all over the board. And and I agree. I think the biggest, you know, Cole will laugh. <laughs> you, you guys all will laugh and roll your eyes a little bit just, you know, based on the, the chats that we have in the group chats during games or whatever. But, I mean, a huge concern to me is, yeah, what we're seeing at, at guard right now and not being able to, you know, like K-State just needs more from, the, the big guys that they have. If Naquan Tomlin's not going to be out there, which again, patreon.com slash 3maw if you want more info on that. It's not looking super great necessarily. Um, one of 10 for Arthur Kaluma, five of 17 for Cam Carter. 
um, and three of nine for Tyler Perry. Like you just, you can't have performances like that from all three of those guys. And like Perry can definitely shoot the hell out of the ball. I mean, he absolutely can. But if you're asking him to be more of a point guard, it takes some of his focus away from just finding the best shots. You know, I think he's going to be best if you can have him off the ball some and focusing more on what shots he is going to get. And uh, he's not he's not quick enough to beat guys off the dribble. He's an okay defender, I suppose, but not going to be like a plus defender. And he's, he's not great at creating his own shot. So, you know, I just feel like the fact that they're having him run point having to have him run point as much as he is right now is is kind of holding some things back there and probably make a big difference if Naquan Tomlin were in the game in terms of how much space there would be and shots that you could be getting outside the arc but right now they they have to just play the hand that they're dealt and uh it's it's just not making me feel really good about the backcourt and I I want to say Quez Glover coming back can be a huge help I'm just I'm still leery about Quez Glover staying healthy after he battled the MCL issue last year and then came and played a couple minutes in an exhibition game this year and already had an injury that's keeping him out for almost two months. So I I, I don't know. I'm not sure where the you guys are right, day day, but outside of that, I'm not sure I'm not sure where they're gonna go in the backcourt to be able to win big twelve games against what looks like a league that is really good with like BYU, Cincinnati, Oklahoma all playing really good basketball, and those were teams that we thought would be more toward the bottom of the league. So it's gonna be tough. Well, some others that are going to be towards the bottom of the league that haven't been playing good basketball at Oklahoma State and West Virginia. So I guess it's a little bit of a trade there. Uh, I would say that Tyler Perry's probably created more shots than we're giving him credit for. Some of the issues, he's not taking them. Um, so I think he's got to be a little bit more selfish in his shot selection. Whenever he gets an open look, you shoot that sucker. And I think, uh, you know, I haven't put a lot on the coaches because I don't think a ton of it needs to be on the it should have been on the coaches now now north alabama that's you gotta you gotta be better than that um and just about every area but one thing i would say is like i i expect them to get you know create some looks for tyler perry at least more than we what we've seen um but tyler perry's got to be willing to shoot it whenever he has daylight as well because i think that is probably something that hasn't been there shot selection i thought in general was very poor against North Alabama. I think they were taking shots they shouldn't, and they were passing up ones that they shouldn't. Yeah, to that point, I mean, in the last first five, the last five games in the first half, Tyler Perry has only attempted 20 shots overall. I mean, he's got 14 points on 20 field goal attempts in the first half of the last five games, and here's kind of a remarkable stat that's unfortunate. He's 0 of 13 from three in those last five first halves. So... The last uh, last five games, he's shooting around 24, 25% from three. He's got to get him more looks. He's got to get more shots up, um, you know, and better looks. And that comes down to, I think, what we view as the ideal scenario is he can slide more off the ball, other guys can create, and he'll have more open looks. And I think we all view that as why it would be super helpful to get Quez Glover back at his normal self, healthy, explosive, good point guard, veteran guy, day-to-day aims, more acclimated, and then Obviously, getting Naquan Tomlin back, which, uh, as you mentioned, John, on our Patreon pod, who who knows where that's going to go right now. So uh, I know there's some frustration over that. So who knows? Let's let's take a break. Let's take a break and regroup and uh, and discuss a little more along this. But uh, first, we got to thank our friends at, at Home Field Apparel. Make sure you get to homefieldapparel.com. Great stocking stuffer for the holidays. Get a sweet old school vintage looking case state shirt with the. Awesome old logos, whether it's cat script basketball shirt, if you want that for hoop season, 
You want the old Copper Bowl shirt, which is a personal favorite of mine. Those are pretty slick as well. They also uh, gave me the most comfortable hoodie that I think I've ever had with the Wildcat script on the front. So homefieldapparel.com, it's promo code 3 23 to get 15% off your first order. Uh, so let them know that uh, the 3 Ma sent you there and get 15% off. We're back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Where, where are you at DUI right now on, on Arthur Kaluma? Because, you know, Kaluma at, at times has been great. He went through a stretch where he was red hot before the North Alabama game. And then all of a sudden he puts out a one for 10 and he's had a moments where he's been essentially benched, um, pseudo suspended almost from Jerome Tang for not being bought in. He had the moment where he kind of called him out in the post game press conference that he needs to buy in. You know, Will McNair got this a similar type of treatment. It sounded like from Tang on, on Saturday, didn't play. That's, I mean, that's another thing with this team. I know I started asking about Kaluma, but they've just had so many moments like this. Day Day Ames missed a game with a suspension from the fighting thing. Like they just, there's been so much movement with the personnel. It feels like they're disjointed, not a lot of chemistry developing. And our, our hope here is that they get two guys back that they'll then have to reintegrate too. So, I mean, it just, it just feels like they have not had a chance to really develop a lot together. And maybe that is hurting a guy like Arthur Kaluma in that sense. Yeah, not a lot of continuity. So, look, I still expect them to play much better basketball in a couple more months. They just have to survive the stretch. Um, You are seeing some minute distribution being used as a message, whether it's Arthur Kaluma 
whether it's Will McNair, you know, you missed a you've had a handful of guys miss at least one game that you were hoping to count on this year. Nicolan Tomlin's missed the entire year. Quest Glover's missed almost the entire year. Data Ains has missed the game. Will McNair has now missed a game. Arthur Kaluma has missed a game. Um, not a lot of continuity. Uh, but some of it is the way that Jerome Tang conducts business, right? Um, I'm not saying this is all great signs because you're seeing multiple examples. Data Ains was his game that he missed. That, that doesn't really concern me as much. I mean, he took a haymaker and, and whatever. But Doing it this way last year worked by the time it got to March, right? Because I'm going to, I don't think it was as abrupt, but I think there was a game or two, maybe three, where there was little to no minutes for Ish Masood while Jerome Tang was trying to send a message to him that he needed to play a certain freaking way or he wouldn't get on the floor. And by the time March came around, Ish finally accepted that what he was being told by Jerome Tang was one of their better players. He's hoping this same coaching and teaching technique will probably get through to Arthur Kaluma and Will McNair, who are probably going through similar things um, as they are in a new system with a new coach. Do you think this team has enough leadership, D.Y.? I didn't. I mean, compared to last year, no. But Mark Houston was one of the best leaders to ever go through the program. Um, enough leadership? Yeah. But you you got to continue to grow that. I was going to say, I mean, that, that can continue to grow. I mean, I think Tyler Perry could be a leader. Uh, I, I, I think he is. I mean, he's one of the. I mean, he. I think he's a great leader, to be quite honest. But it's hard to be a great leader right away in your first year in a new program where you have all these new two teammates that you want to follow you, and they're used to following somebody else. So, but that, it's that, that's part of the transfer portal. The thing you have too, it's it's hard to create that stuff. It's not innate, it's organic, and it builds over time. And to be honest, look, Marquise Noel was a fantastic leader, but there was there was problems with last year's team at this time last year. Yeah. Cam Cam Carter's a guy that can probably be a, a good leader. He's just gotta be more vocal and uh take yeah. that reign. I just don't think you're asking to be someone he's not. Yeah. If you're he's a more, more vocal. Yeah, he's a more quiet guy yeah, by nature. Um yeah, look, it's uh, hopefully they can figure it out. I, obviously, we have a tremendous amount of trust in this coaching staff and Jerome Tank, so trust that they will figure it out. But things do crank up now. I mean, you got Villanova on Tuesday night. You got then you got the uh, at LSU. Now LSU's really struggled, but it'll still be a tricky game. It's a Saturday game. They're 165th in the net. They're five and three right now. Jalen Cook, the star point guard they landed in the portal, hasn't been cleared by the NCAA to play. I so, will say. I will say they've played better of late. They've won four of their last five games. They lost to Syracuse, obviously, but they did beat Wake Forest, North Texas, and St. Louis. They, they still have some talented pieces, so that'll be that'll be a tricky game on the road, uh, the first true road game for this team this year. And then they've got Nebraska, who's off to a seven and two or seven and one start. Right? They lost to the seven one, but they got lost stomped by Creighton. Creighton by thirty. Yeah. yeah, I watched the game and that dropped Nebraska. Ken Palm, Nebraska dropped like fifteen spots because of that. They were at forty four in Ken Palm heading into yesterday. Now Nebraska seventy sixth in the net rankings, um, and then Wichita State. Uh, is off to a solid start. They lost by 10 to Missouri on Sunday, but they're 88th in the net. They're 7-2. and two. Paul Mills is doing a nice job with that team. So those next four games, you got Villanova, then out LSU, then Nebraska, and then Wichita State, Kansas City. So 
um, you got to you got to get better quickly, and uh, hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's a fair point to single out like last year and how last year went, and it wasn't perfect. And I, I made the comment, I think, to one of you guys. I don't remember that was Cole, maybe when we were just chatting at some point this weekend. I was like, it did feel like they were starting to put some things together by this point. But, you know, I don't know. We were still pretty pleased that they won an overtime game with West Virginia the, the day after the the day of, the day after the Sugar Bowl. Um, they had the Cole pointed out to me like, hey, Big 12 championship game last year, K-State wins. And then we watched that Wichita State game. That was not a very good performance at all, but they they did find a way to escape with a win. It was, and so, it was beyond this point in the schedule where they got smacked by Butler though, right? No, that was that was uh, in November. That was early. I think that was November. It was before the Big Twelve Championship. That was right before the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you were going to you were going from Butler, I think, down to Dallas, yeah. and I was yeah, getting ready. Right, that was right before they did have a dogfight with Radford, I think, but that might have been right before Thanksgiving or right before Christmas. That you're right. It was one of the pre-holiday games. I do remember that. So, I mean, it wasn't perfect. I guess I would just say, and maybe some of this is just where our expectation level was this year, rightfully so, after everything they accomplished last year. But it also, I, it just feels like there's more going on this year. There's more that last year, at least, it was like uh, guys were playing and and you felt like developing some continuity together, whatever. It's just like there's been so much going on with the pseudo suspensions and guys hurts and then the Naquan Tomlin thing, like kind of hanging over everybody right now and Again, patreon.com slash three mom for that. But I, I just imagine that's got to be a distraction to everybody at this point. And they they don't know entirely how to, you know, if you're thinking about how you're structuring practice or what to think about the team, are you going full bore? Like, we just got to figure it out without him. Or are you still leave it open? Like, hey, we maybe need to tweak some things at how we're doing this because we feel like Naquan may come back. And then so, I don't know, dude. It just it feels like there's a lot more happening on the periphery of the season right now that that gives me more concern about where this is headed than than how things went down last year. No, I, I think that's fair. I don't feel as you know. I, I make these comparisons, but I, I would still think I think I felt a little bit better about last year's team. But I really didn't believe last year's team was capable of doing what they did until they went and beat Texas and Baylor on the road. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So do you guys think they beat Villanova? I mean, I we, could feel, we could feel a lot different after it, all do. it takes is one really good performance. I do, because it, it's at home. It's going to be finally like, and I, I don't like to like bang on it, but like, I I, I guess I'm a I'm not criticizing anyone. I, I guess I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been one good atmosphere, like one amazing or like great atmosphere. I realize the opponents are the opponents but one great atmosphere yet and we're in the, you know, the beginning of December, obviously you're going to get that for Villanova, but I've been very surprised based on what this coach staff accomplished last year, that they haven't had one sellout yet. Really, really disappointing crowd on Saturday. That, that was shocking to me when I, I got in there about 30 minutes before tip and then just watching, you know, you could tell it wasn't get close to full. And, uh, I, I just thought first Saturday game, one o'clock tip, football now essentially over. You don't have the travel for football until the bowl game. Now, I I will say that that was a worse drive for me, D.Y., than I, John was on the phone with me for like an hour of the drive on the drive home. We were talking about the game. That was a worse drive for me going home than it was in the 10 inches of snow on the Iowa State game. The, the fog was miserable. It was foggy. It was raining. And people were driving 25 miles per hour below the speed limit. You could hardly see. Um, yeah. The whole day, the fog didn't burn off. So I do wonder if 
like maybe that like, because yeah. I was, I guess so here's the point of I was going to make on that is uh, usually the one of the worst attended games of the year is the one right before Thanksgiving um, because the students are gone and no one you know a lot of people are gone and they played Central Arkansas who's I think the worst or second worst team that they've played this year and that might have been the best crowd of the year and I don't know why yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I can think is like some people got on the road and they're like, "Ah, this fog is it's pretty rough." I mean, I didn't anticipate. I thought it would have burned off, and I just kept going to Manhattan. And it, it didn't, and then it didn't burn off through the day, and was still like that going home at night back to KC. And look, I'm guilty of it too. I'm not trying to criticize fans. I have season tickets. I've only been to two home games so far. These these weeknight non-con games are tough to get to. We'll be at Villanova on Tuesday night, and be at the Nebraska game, and I'll be at every Big Twelve game. I mean, I'm committed to that. I went to every Big Twelve game last year too, but. It, yeah, that was that was a little disheartening that there weren't more people there on Saturday. Hopefully, the Villanova game is packed and uh, a great atmosphere and gives these guys a juice and a lift that they maybe haven't had yet this year. Yeah, because here's the thing, and I'm not trying to draw conclusions, and this this could be very much leaping to conclusions. They've played the best in those overtimes, right? That's the only time where that crowd has exploded this year. Yeah, yeah. And Villanova, Villanova is a wacky team to figure out, man. Yeah, I mean, well, I was, I was going to ask Cole. I mean, like, so Villanova, they've lost three games to Philly teams. They've lost to, well, basically, they've lost five. Right? Yeah, the- they've lost to they've lost at Penn. They've lost to St. Joe's at home. They lost to Drexel at home. And then in between those games, they ripped, they crushed Maryland, they crushed Texas Tech, they beat North Carolina, and they hammered Memphis. So, like, I don't, yeah. What I would say is North Carolina and Memphis are good. Texas Tech is okay. And I think Maryland's terrible. Yeah, so Maryland's 70th in Ken Palm. They crushed them. Uh, They beat Memphis, which is 42nd in Ken Palm. They beat them by 16. They were up by like 30 in that game. They beat Texas Tech by 16, which is 52nd in Ken Palm. And then they beat a really good North Carolina team that's 12th in Ken Palm and handed the Tar Heels their only loss on the season and that was all in the battle for Atlantis on a neutral court um you know they were really good there and then they come home from that and they're ranked what 15th 14th in the country in Ken Palm they were 14th and then they lose back-to-back games to St. Joseph's and to Drexel and now they're 34th in Ken Palm they drop 20 spots and they they are just kind of a perplexing team to figure out that they shot their last two games from three. They were a combined 15 to 64 from beyond the arc, which is 23%. And and that worries me a little bit guys. Cause I just, I fear that they're going to have a breakout game that they're due for a good three point shooting game, but they're not, a, they haven't been a very good three point shooting team this year, which has kind of been a trademark of Villanova under Jay Wright. And, you know, now Kyle Neptune, the head coach in his second year with the Wildcats. I was just about to say, dude, I could not tell you who Villanova's coach is anymore. I, I can give you the full rundown on Villanova. Man. I, it was Jay Wright's lead assistant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay, Kyle Neptune took over. He's in his second year at the, the program as the head coach, but he was his lead assistant at Villanova from 2013 to 2021. Then he took the Fordham head coaching job in 2021, coached one year there. Jay Wright retires, and essentially, I think D.Y. just kind of handpicked his successor. They allowed him to do that, and it was well, like there wasn't even really a search. It was Kyle Neptune and they went 17 and 17 last year. They missed the NCAA tournament in his first year. They finished 51st in Ken Palm. And, you know, now this year they've been kind of up and down. They are long at guard. You know, you look at like TJ Bamba, a transfer from Washington state. He's six foot five, Justin Moore, their longtime point guard, hundred career starts. Um, 
you know, averaged double figures in all five of his seasons at Villanova. He's six foot five. Uh, Tyler Burton, one of the most sought after transfers in the country coming in from Richmond. He's got over 1,700 career points. He's averaged seven rebounds per game his last four years at Richmond. Uh, you know, he's a really veteran guy that, you know, I thought was going to go pro and go to the NBA draft. He's six, seven. And then Dixon in the post, their center, very talented, big 81 career starts. Like the thing that you look at, I think Dixon has over 1500 career points. Like they got some guys that are very experienced college basketball players that have been around a lot. Justin Moore over 1500 points in his career. He's their point guard. He had the Achilles tear right before KU in the elite eight or final four in uh, 2021 I think uh, Eric Dixon six foot eight center 255 pounds started 81 games in his wildcat career averaged 15 points and seven boards last season this season he's averaging 15 points and 6.6 rebounds and he's really consistent shot 50 percent from the floor as a sophomore 49 percent as a junior and 48 percent right now as a senior you can step out and shoot the three 72 of 183 from beyond the arc in his career. That's 39%. Also a really good free throw shooter at 79% in his career on 286 attempts. And he had 34 points on 11 of 19 shooting and 10 rebounds against North Carolina in the battle for Atlantis this year. And Armando Baycott had one of his worst games that you'll ever see. The the All-American center for North Carolina going up against Dixon. I, I think he, was, he shot like 20% from the floor. He was held to like 10 or 8 points. And Dixon lit him up, 34 points on 11 of 19 shooting. So a lot of experience on this team uh, when I run through everything. and uh, But they they have struggled shooting the ball some, and, and they were very reliant on the three-point shot. There are only, uh, let's see here, I, I pulled the numbers. They're fourth in the country in three-point rate. 50.5% of their threes or shots come from three, which means 49.5% of their shots come from two, which is the fourth lowest out of 363 college basketball team so they're very reliant on the three-point shot which is largely why they've lost their last couple of games because they shot it so poorly from beyond the arc they're in the 200s nationally in three-point offense uh so they they have not been very consistent i think they're shooting around 32 percent from three well k-state was three of 18 cole uh on saturday might i remind you so if we're talking about you know due for a better shooting performance and four and twenty-eight against Providence too. So two really bad three-point shooting performances. But then in between, like you mentioned, they've they've shot the ball relatively well from three. So it's been up and down. Yeah. Any final thoughts on where the season is headed, Villanova? Anything? I I think this is a big moment for this team on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think. I would agree. I I think it can very much feel a lot better both from a fan standpoint, but for that team and the direction that they're headed and maybe validate some of the coaching that they're getting and it could create more buy-in if they can beat a team like Villanova. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is a big moment for this team. And I'll just also mention, you got to keep these guys off the free throw line. They're they're the second best free throw shooting team in the country. They make 82.4% of their shots from the charity stripe. That's second best in America. Um, and they get to the line a decent amount. They're top 30 in free throws made per offensive possession. So got to keep these guys off the line. Now, you should be able to finish inside against them. Villanova's 322nd in the country in block percentage, only blocking 3.3% of their opponent's shots. So K-State should be able to have some success finishing inside, though I did just tell you that Eric Dixon kind of manhandled uh, Baycott. And, you know, when you look at rebounding, 
Villanova 14th in the country in defensive rebounding percentage, K-State 182nd in the country at defensive rebounding percentage. But when you look at offensive boards, K-State's 11th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage at 38%. Villanova's in 100 nationally at 30%. So not a team that's going to attack the glass heavily and exploit K-State on the defensive rebounding. So um, I think it's an opportunity. Now, Villanova's going to come in hungry. They've lost two in a row. Uh, they're going to be fired up, and they're due for a, a much better shooting performance. At the same time, they haven't been very good defensively over the last couple of weeks, and and they're three hundred, they're they're two hundred ninety third in three point defense at thirty six point three percent from beyond the arc. So K State's two hundred forty second in three point defense at thirty four point six percent. Something's going to give here. Um, you got to hope that you, you got to chase them off the line. You got to chase them off the three point line, and then this is a game where Will McNair is going to have to probably get back out on the court because Eric Dixon's a bigger, thicker, stronger body, but he can also pull you out and drag you out to be on the arc. So that's just something K-State's going to have to figure if they're willing to live with or not in this game. I'll put it to you like this, and this is an open-ended question for all of us. I don't know if gauntlet's the right word, but you're going through a stretch here where you're playing Villanova, LSU, Nebraska, Wichita State probably the meatiest part of your non-conference schedule in terms of success of games. How many do they have to win, or is it dependent on a team you might be? Yeah, I was going to say, D.Y., I, if they went 3-1 and one through this stretch, I'd feel good, you know, because that means three they can't contend. 3-1 is going to be my answer, yeah. 3-1, and one, does, does the, one of the wins have to be over Villanova? No, it doesn't. I think I could live with winning at LSU, beating Nebraska, beating Wichita State, and looking, you know, and continue to look like they've improved, right? Because, like, the, this last week, it looked like they kind of took a step backwards. But if the on-the-court product and the way that they play in those games looks a little more crisp and, and sharp and it looks like they're building that chemistry, I, I think I'll feel better and feel decent. Like, you get through this non-con 10-3 and and what is a much tougher non-con than last year, I, I, I'd feel good about that. So 3-1, and one, and it doesn't matter who it's against. Um now, I could, I could easily see a scenario, D.Y., and I think I talked to you about it on the phone last week, where they beat Villanova and then lose at LSU. You know, it's it's a right. tricky spot. No, so. that is a tricky spot. But I was going to tell you, that was my next question. If they beat Villanova, can you still stomach three and one? Or does it depend on if the yeah. loss is like to Nebraska or Wichita? Because uh, I think I, I think. Yeah. I think I, LSU is the one that I would understand. I would understand losing LSU. I would have a harder time with with Wichita State or uh, or Nebraska. Although Wichita State and Nebraska are, are better teams than LSU, yeah, just that. Like, yeah, but but this on this like, regional rivalry thing, regional you know, rival, Wichita State's in Kansas City. Nebraska's on your home floor, you know. And I will say, like. A relatively favorable start to Big 12 play for this team. You you host UCF to open up the league play, and then you go to West Virginia, who's really struggling. Like that's good. Yeah, I, playing West Virginia's hard. Though. Well, it'll be hard. I mean, Jesse Edwards is a load, but I don't know. Just it's a game that you could win and, and get off. To I just it. I just can't. I don't know. Like I I guess my basketball memory is not as sharp as my football one. I just never can remember going to Morgantown and winning. I don't even know why I'm talking about favorable Big 12 because then they go to Tech, then they host Baylor. You know, they got at Iowa State. By the way, you mentioned BYU's number two in the net. Kansas State has to go to Provo. Oh, you're right. I thought they got them at all. Oh, they do. They play them both times. Oh, they got also they got them both. Yeah. Got the, the back. And, and they got to go to Houston. 
and they're number one in the net. And Cincinnati is 14 in the net. There's six teams in the top 20 in the net. Oklahoma's 19th. Yeah. Iowa State's 13th. Think about those new Big 12 teams. Three of them are in the top 14 in the net right now. Um, yeah, there's UCF dragging everything down. All right. We'll get out to uh, Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use promo code 3 23 to get 15% off your first order. Stock up on your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon and your 360 vodka. If you want to hear more about the Naquan Tomlin situation and what is going on with that, once again, patreon.com slash 3 just five bucks a month. You can get access to that. Cole and I talked plenty about it, along with K-State's bowl draw in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. So that'll wrap it up for us here. We appreciate Nick Springer behind the scenes, as always. Uh, for Derek Young and Cole Bambeck, I am John Kurtz. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon on 3 Mod. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.